Now, Dave Kaufman hosts The Kaufman Show with Dave Kaufman, but also Jay Farrar. The Kaufman Show, only on TSN 690. the Denver Broncos is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Well, explain to me why it isn't. <sighs> you just don't understand football, Marge. Welcome back to the Kaufman Show on TSN 690. I'm Dave Kaufman, sitting in for Jay Farrar this week, my friend Mike Spry. Hello, sir. Hey, man. How are you? I'm great. I always forget how amazing your intro tune is. I love that song. It's so good. Deadlines by the Arkells. Man, I want to go out and meet Deadlines. <laughs> it's a good thing we're here. That song pumps me up. And uh, occasionally when, when the show is on hiatus, like over the Christmas break, I went three weeks without hearing that song. Oh. And it came up one day in the car, and I got so excited. That's sweet. I know it is. <laughs> They're good guys, the Arkells. And it's very nice of them to let us use the song yeah, and man. to uh, bleep out the swear word in it. Yes. They actually did that for me. Beautiful. I asked them if uh, they gave me the option of either washing the lyric or beeping it. 
and washing it, it still sounded like the swear word. Well, who? What's the, Max Kerman? Yeah. Is that his name? Yeah, Max is also our basketball correspondent on the show. Isn't he the gentleman who uh, who threw the first when he threw out a first pitch at, uh, at a Blue Jay game? He threw out the first pitch at a Jays game this summer and uh, faked the throw to first. Ah. Yeah, I think he he faked the throw to first. He did not get called for a balk. And uh, yeah, it was brilliant. Max is, uh, Max is awesome. Welcome to another Kaufman Show. I'm Dave Kaufman, joined by Mike Spry. You can follow Mike on Twitter at MDSpry. You can follow me at The Kaufman Show. And uh, we're going to wrap up uh, Super Bowl action, talk a little Sochi, talk some Habs. And of course, the phone lines, as always, are open. We would love to hear from you. 514-790-1690-1866-896-2546. Jimmy G behind the board. Yes, Mr. Spry. I'm just looking forward to it. Well, it's, it's so going nice to be fun here. tonight. It's going to be fun uh, tonight. I hope Dr. Ferrar is enjoying his time off. I'm sure Dr. Ferrar is enjoying his time off, and I'm hanging out with uh, MD Spry, Dr. Spry, and uh, we're going to have a good time tonight. We are. I um, I watched the game with Spry last night. That's me. And um, my sister was there as well. And uh, by the way, she said that it was very nice to meet you. Well, I'm a wonderful person. That, exactly. But my sister pointed out something that I was doing last night, which I thought was very funny in retrospect. What's that? We're watching the CTV feed. We're watching the Canadian commercials. And at one point, three quarters of the way through the game, she said, you're commenting on every commercial to compensate for not watching the American commercial. Like, oh, this one's okay. This one's not so bad. And, oh, that seemed like an American Super Bowl. I was honestly sitting there trying to, like, augment the experience and pretend that the commercials were as good. <laughs> Well, they weren't totally well. All commercials are, are intolerable, um, but uh, but we need them to survive. That's right. They're a necessary evil, and that is the one day when I guess they're kind of entertaining. But if you're really into seeing commercials, uh, if you really, really, really want to be plied with, uh, well, you could have watched them all, all the week before, yeah, right? Well, and I think you can probably sit on YouTube today and watch all of them as for well. For sure, for sure. Did what did you think of the Seinfeld bit? I thought it wasn't very funny. <laughs> Until the very end, when they're sitting in the pacer, and George loses it, and no, and and well, sorry, Jason Alexander and loses Jerry it. Seinfeld in the character of Jerry smirks or something, and Jason Alexander breaks character and starts to laugh as Jason Alexander. And to me, that was the only funny moment. Although I do, it was, it was, it was more. Oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and and it, it must have been wonderful for uh, NBC to see its. Uh, property from the last time it was successful on fox <laughs> that... uh, they, they had a few successes since then 30 rock had a had a good run do you, do you know what success is i mean <laughs> oh you mean financial success i mean not critical break, success yeah. oh i, I, mean, I like, apologize large I apologize. form like cultural icon oh success. I, I apologize okay. no one's walking around you know letting out uh letting out 30 Rock sayings. Not with the consistency that Seinfeld Blurg! penetrated. No, it's penetrated. not quite not quite in the Seinfeld the pantheon. I, I agree with that. My one uh, thought looking at it was that Wayne Knight, who plays Newman, yeah. hasn't aged a minute. <laughs> Seinfeld and uh, Jason Alexander both look like it's been, well, what, 17 years since Seinfeld was on the air? 16 years? Is it really been that long? I think 1998, the year I graduated high school, was Dude, the last year of Seinfeld. I got old. Well, that too, but... Newman didn't. No. Which is amazing. I don't know what he did, but Newman has been, I don't know. Uh, he found the fountain of youth. There's some fat syndication money he's probably living off of. It's okay. What, and, and Seinfeld and, and George aren't? Well, maybe there's more stress on them, you know? <laughs> maybe. Certainly Jason Alexander, who's had, you know, failed sitcom after failed sitcom. That's true. Seinfeld was able to, you know, kind of just recede into the background 
Yeah, except know? for what B movie. Yeah. I don't think he's done but very. But the um, I mean, the comedians in cars getting coffee. That's genius, right? And uh, yeah, he didn't. You you accomplished something like Seinfeld. What else do you have to do? And you rest on your laurels, right? Kick up your feet. You know, have a few kids. <laughs> <laughs> buy a bunch of cars buy off the top rack you know <laughs> jimmy do you have the other uh clip available to us right now we're going to uh, play you a little bit i don't know if you saw this but uh, i don't think it was on canadian television the dylan ad no i didn't see it bob dylan commercial we'll play you a little bit from the dylan ad uh right now you can search the world over for the finer things but you won't find a match for the american road and the creatures that live on it because we believe in the zoom and the roar and the thrust. And when it's made here, it's made with the one thing you can't import from anywhere else. American pride. So let Germany brew your beer. Let Switzerland make your watch. Let Asia assemble your phone. We will build your car. To which Budweiser sitting there going, no, 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 let Americans make your beer. <laughs> drive let the a, Germans make your car. Drive a Honda. It's fine. <laughs> a Civic is a reliable automobile. Timex is like, no, no, the Swiss should not be making your watches. Yeah. How often do you see a 10-year-old intrepid on the on the road? I just like the part where Dylan says, uh, we got the zoom and the thrust. <laughs> I just, you know... I guess we all have mortgages to pay, but... Uh... Well, how many years ago was it that um, there was the Cadillac ad, and it was a Led Zeppelin song, and people were flipping out Right. that Led Zeppelin and Cadillac... Lent, lent a song. They didn't do anything other than license it. Right, right. This is Dylan. Dylan starring in an ad. But Dylan started licensing out his music rides a few years ago, and so this would be the natural progression. I mean... I don't know. He's got bills to pay. Sure. He's got mouths to feed. Yeah. I mean, Jacob is very unsuccessful now. <laughs> he had that. He had that one hit, which is uh, what one headlight. And then I think I think I think he actually plays in a Counting Crows cover band out of Tucson now. Called the Wallflowers, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> they tried being a Bowie cover band for a while. That right. didn't work out too well either. Right. I uh, when I saw that today, I thought it was uh, a weird stamp of capitalism and. Um, not so different was it last year that Eminem did the ad for Detroit and, right. and cars, or was it Clint Eastwood last year and Eminem the year before? One but of those. Dylan, man, it's just a little weird to see Bob Dylan fronting a two-minute ad for an, for a car company. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there's a progression. He went electric, and that kind of got the kids up in an, <laughs> up in arms. <laughs> and then forty years later, he. Uh, he cashed it all in for. Uh, so you're saying Melnick was staring at his TV last night, going, "Judas." I think maybe. <laughs> I could hear it from your place, Jimmy. Let's uh, let's take a break here. This is the Kaufman Show on TSN 690. Mike Spry is sitting in tonight. Five one four seven nine zero one six ninety. If you want to talk to us, comedian Torben Rolfson coming up in about ten minutes' time. I'm at the Kaufman Show on Twitter. Mike is at MD Spry. Get in touch.
Welcome back. It's the Kaufman Show on TSN 690. Old jiving sister Fanny. I still love that Stones halftime show all those years ago. That was in Detroit. Rock City. Rock City. Thank God it wasn't Kiss. Oh, <laughs> Kiss at the, um, can we call it the Winter Classic? No, it was the Stadium Series. Yes. Kiss playing at Dodger Stadium. Wonderful photo of Gene Simmons and Gary Bettman. Yes, that picture is great. That picture is great. Yeah. I'm just happy it was Gary Bettman and not Vin Scully. <laughs> Peter Chris and Vin Scully. That would upset you? Just a little. Uh, Scully's just the best. I loved seeing him there. I loved hearing him tell a baseball-style story on Hockey Night in Canada right. during the second period. That great. never ended. It was the best thing ever. <laughs> uh, something very interesting uh, came across my feed today, I thought, Mike. Um, turns out that when uh, football fans are depressed, they don't necessarily go to the more chips or more beer, do they? Really? What do they go to? Well, uh, according to Gawker.com, they go to uh, websites with uh, naked people on them. Really? Engaged in sexual congress? Well, not necessarily. Well, uh, perhaps sometimes, perhaps not. Um, I think I think you're, you're talking about the uh, the Gawker ad saying that uh, sad Denver fans cranked up porn after the Super Bowl <laughs> defeat. <laughs> well, I was going to come up with a more graceful way of saying it, but that is a heck of a headline. I'll have to put it that way. Yeah. Um, I thought it was very funny that um, yeah, the game ends and and I thought people watched the game in groups. <laughs> I I just never thought of it as a cure for depression. <laughs> no, nor I. This 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 could have really helped me out during the bad years of my twenties, perhaps, or, and, or... And most of last Tuesday. <laughs> you know? uh, I hope that this isn't the case in Montreal, or uh, is this what is this what Habs fans do after a loss? Well, if they're not setting fire to police cars. Well, I'm hoping they're tuning into the post-game show on TSN 690, but hopefully they're not multitasking. Well, I would expect, well, that, that that's just plain creepy. <laughs> well, I don't host the post-game show. I'm okay with it. Still creepy. No, it's very creepy, and it seems like a, a weird um, a weird thing. Um, let's see what this but says understandable. here. Uh, just like Christmas Day and Thanksgiving, porn viewership was down significantly during the Super Bowl, especially in Denver and Seattle, where the number of viewers on Pornhub dropped 51% and 61%. Did I say that like I'd never heard it before? Yeah, that was a brand new statistic Thank you. to you. Thank you. Across the country, porn watching was down about 32% during the game. The excitement leading up to the Super Bowl also led to a noticeable drop with 11% and 18% decreases in Denver and Seattle and a 6% drop across the country. That's a lot less porn. Post-game, the numbers went back up everywhere except Seattle and Washington, where, because everyone was out celebrating instead of, well, you know what, the numbers were 17.2% and 11.3% lower than usual. Sad residents of Denver and Colorado as a whole took solace in their porn, though, after the game, doing, well, you know what, at 10.8% and 7.6%, respectively, over average. Uh, Post-game, porn watching was up about 4% countrywide somewhere somebody smarter than you and i is working on an app <laughs> that will allow people to combine the three elements here sadness football and pornography and as soon as those things come together man let's get in on the bottom floor invest in this oh goodness well on there's that, statistics here to learn from sir on that happy happy note let's bring in our resident comedian on the kaufman show he joins us every monday night from beautiful vancouver british columbia you can follow him on twitter at van guy it's torben rolfson hey torben dave mike how you doing we're great how are you 
fine, Peg. Interesting little anecdote there, huh? Yeah, I heard that. I heard that while I was on hold waiting. <laughs> You're just waiting, snappy, though, right? Snappy comment about it, but I didn't. Well, I'm just figuring I don't you're like talking about that, like about porn. But I guess you guys have to, right? Well, on the radio, I, I don't think we really have to at all. I think that was a really uh, gutsy move by by us, to be honest with you. I think that's good. You got to tackle all the tough topics. <laughs> that's right. Well, I used to do it professionally, work for Playboy, but you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but only. For, yeah, but. You know, th- this is like the prime example of Mike buying a Playboy straight up for the articles because he's the guy writing the articles. Right. <laughs> Scout.com. <laughs> oh, what's going on, Torben? Well, look, we finally found out what the fox says. I keep Joe Namath warm. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, that was not. <laughs> That's the mark. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy just shot the IKEA monkey. <laughs> Sounded like Andre the Giant blowing his nose. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was worried that Peyton might talk about the first play from scrimmage by referring to his idiot center, but he said it was just Manny being Manny. <laughs> the winter storm Maximus uh, hit Greater New York City uh, early Monday morning, delaying thousands at LaGuardia. There's a second straight day air traffic in the area was shut down. <laughs> and I'm not saying he has a problem, but Floyd Mayweather had $3 million on the Puppy Bowl. <laughs> G.A. Uh, I didn't like the color visuals in the Canada-Japan Davis Cup matches. It looked like a White Stripes concert. <laughs> and Fox Sports Latin America has just acquired the rights to broadcast the Sochi Olympics. Seems a little last minute this week, and they were figuring out their Super Bowl rights. <laughs> And I saw our Hockey Canada president, Bob Nicholson, he said Russia is, quote, a difficult place to get around in. It's not Vancouver, unquote. What? Spoken by someone who isn't doing Russia or commutes here in the lower mainland. <laughs> <laughs> and if I ever have to dial 911, I hope they get here faster than Carey Price did to the Ben Bishop Brandon Pruff tilt. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Pandering to the natives. Yeah. Uh, Roberto Luongo, he said the Canucks, quote, need to play 60 minutes. Uh, I don't know if the CBS News show staff has a team, but I bet the Canucks could score five or six goals against them. Nice. <laughs> John Tortorella, of course, returned from a two-week suspension tonight. He spent his time off studying the hallway layouts of North American arenas. <laughs> Well-versed. <laughs> and finally, the good news is the Phoenix Coyotes are changing their name. The bad news is it's not to the Quebec Nordique or Seattle Grunge. <laughs> Seattle Grunge. That would be a decent name, wouldn't it? I invented that. Did you? Copyright not, that quick, Not man. the musical genre, but the team. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I would uh, I would go in uh, onto GoDaddy right now and steal that website. Register, yeah. The good. Seattle Grunge. Yeah. You guys can do it while you're figuring out your porn app. Deal. Deal. <laughs> right. Well, we already said that was for people way smarter than us. Okay. And what's going on this week, Torben? Uh, doing the comedy mix this week and doing all sorts of other fun stuff. Awesome. Uh, go catch him in Vancouver. Follow him on Twitter and uh, enjoy his comedy always. He's at Van Guy. Torben Rolfson will speak to you next Monday night. Thanks, guys. Have a great night, Montreal. Thank you. Later, man. Love the comedic stylings of Mr. Torben Rolfson. So funny. Always, always fun. And uh, I don't know how he keeps it fresh, but I wonder if there's, you know, you can't go into a comedy club and just do sports comedy. No. So you know this is tailor-made for us. Just for us. That White Stripes joke would not fly in Vancouver. (laughs) No.
<laughs> I don't think they'd get it. The Carrie Price joke, I don't know if that would go the over The Tortorella well. joke would kill. Tortorella joke would probably do better than it did here. Just just throwing it out there. The Longo joke, too, Yeah, I would imagine. Uh, we don't normally go over his joke by joke, but we'll, we'll give him an A- minus for today. We'll say that that was solid, and especially since Jimmy threw him off with that shotgun the blast shotgun to blast start it. Right off the top. <laughs> Pretty impressive stuff. Um, so once again, the Super Bowl, and we mentioned it in the last hour, but uh, for the sake of the podcast, that hour isn't podcasted. First time in NFL history that a game has ended by that score. Yeah. And that to me, that's wild. That blew my mind. I thought that was one of the... Uh, Nate Silver, of course, was the one who tweeted it. <laughs> He's really got to get a better job. <laughs> Isn't he working for the New York Times now? No, oh, no ESPN. That's right. He's he working left. for ESPN. Yeah. I would take that as a job. I don't know. He seemed like he was doing something important before, and now he's like going through uh, you know, Elias Sports Bureau <laughs> back issues. I don't know. I feel like that was just something he was like, ooh, this doesn't seem like a familiar score to me. No, I mean, it's who would have thought? But uh, yeah, that's amazing. Mm, nobody had 43 to 8 in their squares con- contest, no. that's for sure. We should have put some cash in on that. Yeah, right. Well, it's easy to know retrospect. You take, what's his name, uh, Biff Salmanac from uh, Back to the Future? Right. Right. <laughs> Part two. Thank you, Jimmy. Did you say that in my ear? Or did you say that on, uh, out loud? In your ear. Oh, okay. So I, to people at home, I'm just talking to myself. Is that the deal? Back when I say thank you, Jimmy, two. I hear something from you. I say it out loud, and then I go, thank you, Jimmy. Well, good to know that your radio host is crazy. I'm Crazy Dave Kaufman. This is The Kaufman Show. Mike Spry is joining me tonight. John Kakalakis has a sports update, and Jimmy's going to play some music right now. Yeah, that's what... That's what's up. Jimmy G playing some tunes to bring us out. Got to talk about Sochi on the other side of the break. The Olympics are days away. Is Sochi ready? Are you? Are we? All this and more on The Kaufman Show coming up next. Now, Dave Kaufman hosts The Kaufman Show with Dave Kaufman, but also Jay Farrar. The Kaufman Show, only on TSN 690. Back to the Kaufman Show. I'm Dave. I'll be your host. Mike Spry is here. He'll be your Jay Farrar. That's me today. 
I'm playing the role of Jay Ferrara. I love well. Douglas Murray. <laughs> Be angrier. Oh, I can't. Okay. Well, you know, I'm just a happy-go-lucky guy. <laughs> you sure are. You're one of all those happy poets. You yeah, know? I'm unicorns and sunshine. <laughs> you sounded. And bourbon and eventide. <laughs> That's right. Mike's uh, book of poetry comes out April 15th called Bourbon and Eventide. And if you hear us on CGAD on Friday nights, I always screw it up. <laughs> what did you say this week? Your uh, novel about ballet, historical ballet, Russian ballet, or right, something like that, right. which is a perfect segue into what we're going to discuss now. Um, Sochi Olympics are coming up on Friday. That's amazing. I cannot believe how quickly it is just approached, and I, I imagine that there are people in the Olympic Village feeling the same way when they see that half the construction hasn't been finished around the site. Yeah, well, Russia's still unbuilt. Um, it's. <laughs> It's amazing. It's going to be interesting. Uh, I never watched the opening ceremonies, and, and I have an assignment from a, a magazine to write about it, so that'll be strange for me. Hmm. Um, uh, I feel like we're all going to be waiting for something to happen throughout the two weeks, the fortnight, or however long it is. Two um, weeks is a fortnight. <laughs> yeah. It's just a British fortnight. It's yeah. a British two weeks. Um, thanks. <laughs> it's now 1235. And my caffeine is wearing it. <laughs> uh, no, but I, did, aren't you just aren't you going to be waiting for something to go wrong? Yeah, but I'm just hoping it's something logistics wise and not something um, terrible. Oh well, and not something terrible. And and you know, it comes down to now that we're here and the Olympics are happening and there isn't a boycott. You hope that the Russians were serious, that there is a ring of steel around the Olympics and that it's going to be right. safe and that our athletes and uh, members of the media who we know and the families of people that are there and the fans that are watching. I mean, you know, I've worked at the Olympics, Mike. I know what a logistical nightmare it is. Right. And the thought of um, the level of security that they need, you know, BC wasn't adjacent to a war zone. Sochi is. Right. Well, and... and I spent six weeks in St. Petersburg in 2006. I never once felt safe there. Really? And it was right before, I believe there was a G8 summit coming a few weeks after we were in town. I was there with a writing organization called Summer Literary Seminars. Mm -hmm. And um, More happy poets? <laughs> there were some novelists. Okay. Short story writers. Luckily, there's a lot of beer gardens in St. Petersburg, so happiness is found. I'm sure you felt safe in the beer gardens. Yeah, but um, no, I never quite felt safe. I always felt like an intruder, um, unlike any other place I visited. You know, and I've spent I spent time living in 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 Central America. Uh, I've you know lived in four or five cities in Canada. Uh, I spent time in Lithuania. I I worked for uh, a December in in Nairobi once, and a long who hasn't in Kenya. worked for a December in in Nairobi? Well. It's the life I chose. And the president's from there, for crying out loud. Come on. Oh. <laughs> let's, uh, let's go to the phones. 514-790-1660-896-2546. Let's give a warm Kaufman Show welcome to our friend Ron in Montreal North. Hey, Ron. Yeah, how are you? How are you? How are you? How bad? Good. Uh, yeah, well, Pierre today was on with a, with, with a, a lot earlier. Than yeah, and he was saying that it's not as bad as it seems on, from the outside, right? Yeah, I, I don't know what propaganda film he watched. Uh, that he watched? I don't know what propaganda film he watched. Well, was he there? Is he there honest. right yeah, now? he's there. Yeah. Okay, so... He's there. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, so the view is beautiful. I mean, it's a resort, right? 
<laughs> on the Black Sea, exactly. The view is supposed to be beautiful. I'm assuming that Pierre got into one of the hotels that was finished. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not sure. And the name of the documentary, Ron, is Triumph of the Will. I'm not really sure, but, you know, because he mentioned something that was rather upsetting. What did he say? That's why I say it's propaganda, because something about the freedom of the Russian people. Oh, wow. Really? And, you know, like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Well, if you're if you are um, heterosexual and uh, and rich, then I'd imagine you have a fair amount of freedom in Russia. Yeah. If you're yeah, gay, uh, you are not. You don't feel very free. That's the real minority, right? Yeah. Oh, hey, I'm I'm I was being very facetious with that no, comment, Ron. I mean, uh, I'm really crazy about these games. I, I'm not really. I don't even know if I'm going to watch much. Really. Well, the thing is, I don't want. I don't want to punish. I right. don't want to punish the the athletes. Right. That's it. Because I enjoy watching them, you know, but I'm getting tired with, uh, with the IOC. They're really getting to, you know, between them and, uh, and FIFA, they're really starting to get on my nerves. Yeah, and, and frankly, these uh, behemoths, and basically, I mean, they're essentially corporations, right? And they don't care about the little guy. They don't care about people. They are going to have their next Olympics in uh, Winter Olympics in South Korea in Pyeongchang. The next Summer Olympics are going to be in Rio. We know how many people are being displaced for the Rio Olympics. Right. Places like, and I think Vancouver or London is really the last of that type of city that's going to try to get a Games. Well, I'll tell you, when I was in Russia in 2006, uh, and the, I believe it was the G8 Summit was coming, and uh, they rerouted water from the part of town I was staying in to the part of town where the hotels were. Oh, wow. And so while normally I might have some somewhat warmish water uh, that might have been something close to transparent. I spent uh, five weeks showering in copper-filled brownish water that was not warm ever. That's why you stay in hotels now wherever you go, right? That's right, man. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it's uh, Kaufman and Spry on the Kaufman Show. We're talking a bit about Sochi right now, and uh, it's it's an unfortunate feeling. I, I think back to where I was four years ago how excited I was with the games starting days away. I, I, I was living on a cruise ship in British Columbia with uh, what became a thousand of my closest friends. It was like summer camp. That's great. It was wonderful. And, and there were logistical nightmares there, too. Don't get me wrong. And there horrible things happened in Vancouver. Don't forget uh, Nodar Kumash, uh, Kumadashvili, yeah. the Georgian loser that died the day of the opening ceremonies. Before that, they started competition early, right? That's right. That's right. right. There were uh, well, he was doing a training run. I was uh, at the ski jump that morning, which had its preliminaries that day. Right. And it was it was essentially the first event of the 2010 Olympics, and we got tickets to go see ski jumping, and it was great. Nice. And I was taking the bus back because everything was by shuttle buses up there. All the roads were closed, and I'm on this uh, Vancouver Olympics bus. The um, it wasn't exactly in Whistler. It was called Callahan Valley, and we're in the the we're taking a bus from Callahan back down to Whistler. And my phone rings, and it's my sister telling me that uh, this loser had passed away. And my automatic reaction was kind of to yell out, and then I realized I was on this bus full of people, and I couldn't do that. The rest of the day was spent in Whistler waiting for the opening ceremonies to start. Right. And there was like a, there was a small opening ceremonies in Whistler for the athletes that were stuck up in the village and couldn't make it down to Vancouver for the ceremonies, but then they had big screens everywhere, and going in and out of bars all day long and every single place would show replays of him dying 
and wow. nobody saw it coming. And there would always be a table or three in the bar of people screaming when it happened because they didn't expect it. And they're just watching Olympic highlights. And then suddenly they see somebody die and bad things happen anywhere and, and can happen everywhere. Right. Russia has been getting a lot of press about uh, how they're culling dogs right now in Sochi. Right. That happened in Vancouver after the Olympics in Whistler. They had, um, there was a company up in Whistler that you could do like, uh, uh, what's it called? Like the Iditarod type thing where you go and you have dogs like huskies or whatever take you around through the snow yeah. and and you mush. dog mush mush dog racing exactly. And uh, they had gotten too many dogs. It was a perfect amount of dogs for during the Olympics, but after the Olympics they killed like fifty or seventy dogs. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah, and bad things happen everywhere. And I just hope that the level of bad things that happen don't go into now, the... Was there a company that took care of the dogs? or did It was just, a company. They didn't just bring Mike Vick up? Um, oh, that's terrible. <laughs> Give him a break. The Mike Vick jokes have to stop. Um, it's 2013. The you, guy paid his price. He went to jail for longer than... Uh, what, the average Canadian would get for killing a Canadian? You know what I think is the worst part about, about Sochi right now? What? Is that... Sorry, Mike. sorry. No, it's okay. Sorry. You know, I get a little I get a little worked up. I yeah, like Mike Vick. You like to defend former And I love dogs. You love to defend former Atlanta Falcons. I love dogs. I just think he paid his he paid his debt. Right. Um, not me, but that's a conversation for another day. Sure. Uh Friday. I think the issue I have with Sochi right now mm-hmm. is that we're three days removed from the opening ceremonies, right? And at least in Canada, we're only talking about essentially three things, right? We're t- and only one of those is sports. We're talking about the hockey team. We're talking about the safety, the security, the, terrorists, right? the security threats, and we're talking about um, LGBT, LGBTQ right. rights. Sure. And we're not talking about, I mean, usually when we're going into the Olympics. Yeah, thank God they picked Sue Banner. Could you imagine? All right. I mean, and usually we're going to the Olympics and we read up, you know, there'll be a story on, you know, on a, on a, on a illusionist, illusion, illusionado. Um, or you know, or there'll be a preview of the uh, of the Alpine team. Sure, you know we'll get to know the athletes going into the Olympics. Yeah, there should be more talk about uh, Callie Humphreys and bobsled right now. There isn't, and that's sad, and that's taken away from the athletes. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And we've known this for a year. Right. We've known this for a year that the games are going to be clouded by politics, and you're foolish to think that sports and politics aren't in- completely intertwined. Right. This is the the best example of it, of giant corporations oh, yeah. and of political domination over over sport and of corruption and bribery scandals. This this games has everything, Mike, and makes the corruptions here seem like nothing. It needs an early good story. Sure, it needs something to break that. And it, it needs some people to stand up for what's right. Yeah. Even and if it means opening, being sent home. The opening ceremonies, you know, as much as a pin on someone's lapel, something, it'll be really interesting to see those ceremonies. And uh, the entire games are going to be compelling in a way that perhaps games of recent memory haven't been compelling. Yeah. And again, hopefully for all of the right reasons. Let's hope it stays safe. Let's uh, let's come back. We'll finish off the show. We'll talk a bit about uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and one of the great losses of uh, of our time. Really, I, I can't think of an actor that I enjoyed watching more. No, more more of that 
up next on The Kaufman Show. You're listening to The Kaufman Show with Dave Kaufman and Jay Farrar, only on TSN 690. show terrible news yesterday the, the death of philip seymour hoffman one of the greatest actors of our time somebody who every performance was a new high yeah the only the only time i ever heard him receive any kind of criticism for a role he was in was moneyball right and which which brings us into the context of sports and it's interesting because um back then art howe who is who, who he played, yeah. the manager of, of the A's and went on to manage the Mets and the Astros? The right? Mets, yeah. Ma- maybe the Astros was before. Um, but back in uh, back when the film came out, um, Howe was speaking to the press, and, uh, and I'll, I'll quote him here. They couldn't have demeaned me more, Howe told the Chronicle by phone Tuesday. It's disgusting. I'm hurt by it. My reputation is altered by it. People who don't know me are going to think that's the real art Howe. I wish they'd meaning the filmmakers, communicated with me. And yet today, he's quoted in, uh, and obviously after a death, you're not going to come out and reiterate your anger about a portrayal. But uh, he told the the New York Post, it's a shame. He was a tremendous talent. I saw his comments about his portrayal of me. He was following his script. He knew it wasn't me, but you've got to do what you got to do. It also mentions later that in an earlier version of the film, which had been in production for quite some time, that uh, Art Howe and, and pitching coach uh, Rick Peterson were actually at one point supposed to play themselves in the film. Really? So I'm, I'm guessing maybe the filmmakers did communicate with him a bit. A bit of a step up from playing uh, Art Howe will be playing Art Howe to Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah, will be and he Art was Howe. great in that. And that's a, that's a difficult, that's a quiet role, you know? Like, Hoffman doesn't speak a lot in that movie. No, well, you know? if you want to talk about a movie and, and another sports-themed movie and, and an interesting one that I, I think we'll actually end this show on talking about, have you seen Owning Mahoney? Yes. Because we spent a lot of time tonight talking about gambling yeah. and football and, and sports betting. And that's okay if you can afford it once a year or whatever. If you bet on football on Sundays, don't get carried away. Don't get carried away, and and one of the right. one of the greatest lessons to not get carried away is that movie Owning Mahoney, which is uh, I believe a Canadian it's production. Based, it's it's in, I believe it's an American film, but it's based on the story of a, of a Toronto bank employee who embezzled uh, ten million dollars to feed his gambling. A lot habit. of it was filmed in Canada, yeah. and and you'll have scenes where he doesn't speak much in that movie, and he speaks in very low mumbled tones. Yeah, I can picture a scene where he's calling his bookie and he's saying. Give me all the teams, all the home teams in the National League and all the road teams in the American League. Yeah. Scary stuff like that. But he was so, 
so amazing in that movie. And he's one of those actors that no matter what he played, you you believed him. He was a, he had that reach. You know, you watch give me a name of a crappy actor. Nicolas Cage, Tom Cruise, whatever. Right. You watch those guys in a movie and it's always it's Tom Cruise in this movie. But even in a movie where they shared the same bill, uh, was it Mission Impossible 3? Philip Seymour Hoffman was very believable in that movie. Yeah. Well, and he played um, in... Uh, he was Lester Bangs. Along Came Polly. The sweaty guy when he's play, when playing basketball. Who, I don't even with... know if I can say the word on, on, on radio, but it's... Uh, um... Here, you write it down over here and I'll let you know if you can say it or not. But he uh, he's with Ben Stiller. <laughs> he elevated a Ben Stiller movie. He did elevate. Which... <laughs> he absolutely did. I kind of have a spot for that movie. Um I wouldn't think so. No, probably not. Anyway, I'm no. sure everyone listening knows exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but he was one of those actors. I, he um, has an accident. There, uh, that's good. Yes, he had an accident, and he finds a wonderful new adjective to describe it. <laughs> um, and perhaps a verb. Um, he just one of my favorite roles of his was uh, a supporting role in Charlie Wilson's War. Yeah, the where Finland he, scene. He yeah, where he plays a spy, and he has this great scene with John Slattery early on when he. Uh, when he comes into his office and he's fighting for the job that he had just lost. And it's just, just amazing. And the beauty in his work is the simplicity. You know, he was never over the top. He wasn't Pacino, you know, like he was very reserved and, and chameleon like in that way. Um, the big Lebowski boogie nights. Oh, just the list is the master. The if you haven't is, seen the master yet. That's an incredible. There's one I, I love, uh, called love Liza. Um, which I don't is know if a, I know that one. Which is about a guy who loses his wife and 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 ends up um, picking up some addictions. And it's just it's a quiet, beautiful, beautiful film about love and addiction. And uh, he was great in that. Um, and he battled addiction for um, most of his adult life. He had been clean for twenty three years. Yeah. Before falling off the wagon. Just it's so scary and it's so sad and um, it's such such a loss. It is somebody that that I think people pictured being able to watch him in movies for forever and now there are there will be after i guess the next couple of years no more new philip seymour hoffman movies no i think i think maybe there's two or three that are uh to come out and 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 uh i think one or two in production that are affected by this obviously right including i think the hunger games right yeah the the last uh two parts of the hunger games uh quadrilogy you know and there's not it was just um on a day where the Super Bowl was supposed to kind of take charge and take over, that really put a real dark cloud on the day. And it was really interesting, though, the the outpouring of emotion. Um, I was kind of surprised like by that because he's a well-known actor, but he's not, you know, he's not Tom Cruise. Like, he's not... And the outpouring of emotion wasn't so much about his addiction or... Uh, it was about his talent, or or some kind of sensationalized version of of a Hollywood death, right? Like you're exactly right. It was about the loss of talent, the loss of artistry, which was it kind of renews. It was your... very different from Corey Monteith's death from a similar, right. from the same drug. But it kind of renews your faith in the Twitter sphere when you see a day like that, where you know the the BS is kind of put aside, mm-hmm. and there's an outpouring of genuine emotion and feeling about something. What was interesting was the, um, I mean. I think that there's a button built in for skepticism on Twitter. Right. But when that tweet came out, and it was the Wall Street Journal, everybody it. said, oh, please be wrong, please be wrong, please yeah. be wrong. 
Let it be a hoax because there had been there had been a, a hoax. hoax before. What's up with that? Is there a website that just randomly generates hoaxes for every celebrity? It's easy to do. You create a fake site and you backdate it. Yeah, people are sick. Yeah, it's ridiculous. One of the great actors of our time, Mike. Thanks for sitting in tonight. Always fun. Listen up, kid. It's not what you think. Stayed out too late. Had a little too much to drink. Walk home, cross the bridge when the marquee shut down. There's a reason that I love this town. Nobody cares how much money you have. If you've got enough to get in a cab, there'll be drinks on the house if your house burns down. There's a reason that I love this town. to The Kaufman Show on TSN 690. On behalf of special guest host Mike Spry, I'm Dave Kaufman. We'll be back next Monday night. See you then. What'd that sound like?